Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello and welcome to this episode on the impact of organizational politics. So many people suffer the brunt of organizational politics and therefore I decided to get deeper into this issue and find out what's going on by interviewing close to about 15 managers across four different sizes of companies, one of them being a very small company of less than 100 people. The second one is a mid-sized company of about 3,000 people. And the other two companies were large corporations of more than 50,000 plus employees. And what I did find is the number one revealing factor is that organizational politics exists in all type of organizations, small, medium, or large. And yet, percentage of organizational politics and the level of politics just gets higher as the organizations get bigger. Of course, smaller organizations had much, much, much lesser political games in play. So the questions I'd like to cover in this episode are, what is politics? When is it good? Yes, exactly. When is politics good? And uh, when does it get dirty? And what is the cost of dirty politics in organizations? So let's begin with the first question. What is politics? So there are many definitions out there about what is politics. And I'm sure you can Wikipedia or Google it up and you'll find many definitions. But what I truly understand is this. Politics is a way of meeting goals. The question is, whose goals? When politics is used to get past management inefficiency to reach organizational goals, we're more along the lines of good politics. Well, does good politics happen? Do we call it influencing? I think most people call it influencing, and yet that is still politics because you are going, because you are cutting past normal lines of hierarchy, you're cutting past normal processes and getting things done differently. Let's take the case of a small company where the director of operations was completely mismanaging the executive team. He was leading teams into conflict and there was complete inefficiency. There were conflicts between the sales and the operations and he was actually fueling them. He wasn't really helping them to collaborate and he was micromanaging every single expense and the company wasn't really making profits. So the head of strategy made a very clear move to overthrow him and take over the organization. And the whole company went to a much better level of execution. Of course, it's sad to see the director go away. And the question is, was it good for the company? Clearly, the answer is yes. Was the director good for the company? Clearly, the answer was no. So political games played with a good intention can actually be beneficial both at a personal level and at an organizational level. Of course, you may ask the question, wasn't the VP of strategy ambitious? Yes, he was. So when personal ambition is not detrimental to that of the organization, that kind of politics is very well supported by the people. And even though people know that it is a political game, they are in favor of it and they want to work more with such managers because they know that they will move ahead and they will take the organization to a much better level and they will lead them to success. 
And there's nothing wrong from my perspective in including self-ambition with that of an organization. But that's not always the case. When politics comes with good intention to bring meaning to people and take the company to the next level, that kind of politics requires courage. And that courage only comes with the bravest of hearts because that kind of politics requires you to put yourself in the line of fires for the sake of a better future, both for yourself and for your organization. Yes, what is true is, in all these cases, we are far from the ideal case of having a selfless leader. So what is then bad politics or when does politics get dirty? Often politics holds a pejorative connotation where people use their soft skills, where people use their relationships or where people manipulate decisions in order to gain more power recognition, or move ahead in the career. Usually one of these three things are involved. That is, things are done with one's end goals in mind and not that of the organization. There is so much tactics involved in all these kind of moves. Imagine the amount of time and money that people spend in hiding mistakes, trying to look good, trying to make your colleagues look bad, in strategizing of what should be the technical choice that will actually secure my career. When actions come from the intention of self-interest, then it becomes manipulation and it just gets dirty. I'll talk about some of these kind of games and how to actually combat them in another episode. In this episode, I'm more going to focus on what is the impact of dirty politics at a human level. So what is the cost of dirty politics in organization? I see three main human effects from the survey I did. And I'd like to share with you three different kind of people I met and what they shared with me on how it impacted them. So the first thing I'd like to mention is it makes you hypervigilant. Politics adds to the complexity of decision-making. Managers recall and tell me that you can't be too naive to think that you can do without politics, Deepa. Everyone plays politics. What varies is the level to which people play politics. Several of them mentioned to me that they play scenarios in their head, thinking in loops, going in different situations, talking through them, having internal mind conversations with their alter ego, doubting the intentions of people, not knowing if the proposal that someone is making is really a genuine one or is it intended to make them fall. So when you are interacting with three or four stakeholders, you kind of start wondering, oh, is A proposing this to actually make me fall? Or is it in his self-interest? Or is B also colliding with A? Are B and A having an alliance? Have they decided to take over? Are they collaborating to go against me? What is the intention of C? Why did C say this or that in a meeting? So all these kind of thoughts actually just make you very, very vigilant. And instead of spending your time and energy in being creative and thinking about how to be innovative in the organization, we kind of become paranoid. And this leads to complete loss of creativity. So hypervigilance is what one of the effects. So hypervigilance is one of the effects of too much politics or dirty politics. The second human effect of dirty politics is political stress. What is political stress? Well, 
stress is just stress. Well, political stress is just another entry point of stress. We all have organizational issues and it's a challenge to thrive in an international matrix organization. And that has its own stress. And politics just adds another layer of stress. How do we deal with it just depends on our composure. 95% of the people I interviewed mentioned that it, that it affected them. Just about two people out of the 17 people I interviewed mentioned that it doesn't impact them. It doesn't increase their level of stress. But for most people, it did. And here's what they mentioned as how it affected them. It affected their sleep. They would wake up thinking about what are the intentions of A or B, becoming hypervigilant, becoming paranoid. It increased a sense of loneliness because you don't trust people very easily. You don't trust your colleagues very easily. It made them feel more irritated at home because they tried to show a very calm demure at work. The smallest of the things at home would just get them irritated and annoyed, making them kind of emotionally numb at work as a way to protect themselves. So at a peer level, people keep a certain distance from each other. And this is kind of normal. So if you are experiencing that, it's, know that it's very, very normal because in organi- any, most of these large organizations where I spoke to people, they mentioned that they're much closer to their team members than with their peers and with their colleagues, even though they see their colleagues as people who are competent, like-minded, they kind of keep a distance because you don't know who's playing what game. And so this increases the level of loneliness in terms of sharing your pain points, in terms of sharing experiences, in terms of sharing knowledge. So at one level, you're keeping distance and you're keeping your emotional channel closed. And at another level, with your team members, leaders are expected to have connections through emotions and data and be empathetic. So on one side, you need to shut down or one needs to shut down their emotional channel in order to survive and thrive. And on the other side, you need to open it up in order to build connections, relationships and motivate people, especially your teams. So that kind of becomes a stretch of how do you do that? The third human effect of organizational politics is what I'd like to call a blame badge. So when people fail in an organization, they just don't fail alone. They fail alone. Yes, that's what we all say. And the impact of that is the other people also fail to become successful because in an organization, we're working in a chain. We depend on the work of each other. And so this leads to a kind of a collective finger pointing to say that, oh, he failed. He wasn't able to migrate those applications. Oh, he failed because he wasn't able to develop a cost-effective product. And he failed because he invested on a wrong technology. And that was a completely wrong decision for our organization in terms of where we are developing our products. So collective finger pointing actually destroys the foundation of one's personality. One of the managers I met, he said, I'm 55 Uh, The way people point fingers at me and the the way people label me because I failed, I wonder if 
you know, I just need to change 20% of me or if I need to change 50% of me or 80% of me. I have been successful up until now and I have reached this level in my career and suddenly I'm made to feel that everything about me is wrong. So we're actually destabilizing the complete foundation of a personality and this increases self-doubt and not only does it increase self-doubt, it actually makes him or her who's received this kind of this failure badge to go completely against and be angry with his or her colleagues. So look at the consequences. Now, how much anger will this person have towards his or her colleagues? What's the level of trust between their teams? Because if two managers are not getting along, are keeping distance, are vigilant about each other, what level of cooperation do you think will exist between their teams? Managers are like the weather they set the weather of their teams. And if they are polarized towards each other, their teams are also going to be polarized with each other. So when two managers are in conflict, it's absolutely no, no surprise that their teams are also in conflict. So there's lots of consequences of a blame badge. I'd like to bring to an example that in that was mentioned in one of the previous episodes. I think it's the f- episode on courage of failure, where Eric talks about when we are kids, and I think I mentioned that, when we are kids and we are cycling in a park and we fall down, what happens? People come, they pick us up. And when you see kids fall down and you don't see a parent around, you go like, oh my God, let me go pick up the child. Let me go help the child dust off the bruises. Can we do the same thing in organization? When someone fails, can we go and have a conversation and say, does it hurt? How does it feel? What's going on? Can I help? I wish we could do that or more of that. <laughs> so if there is a tip that I'd like to give you at the end of this episode, I'd like to give, it, give you two tips. The number one is when you see someone fail, take the first step to bring more humanity into organizations by going and helping them, asking them, how how are they? How can you help them? Have a conversation with coffee, over coffee, so they don't feel labeled and feel more isolated. So help them to integrate. And the second thing I'd like to mention is take a walk in the nature for 10 minutes before you go home, just to allow yourself to let go of the stress, the stress that gets accumulated by your workday, the stress get that gets accumulated by becoming hypervigilant at work, the stress that gets accumulated by organizational politics, because you and your family deserve to be in a good space with each other. And you also deserve to have a good night's sleep. So take time off for yourself before you go back home so that your family is not affected by your stress at work. Thank you very much for listening and stay tuned and see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.